And welcome back to another edition of the On the Board Sports Podcast. It feels like it's been such a long time since we, that's right, we, I'm not doing it alone. We have come to you and brought you an episode of the On the Board Sports Podcast. Good afternoon, good morning, however you want to talk about it. I'm your host, Will Cherucci, a.k.a. Will C, coming to you from Long Island, New York, and like always, and it's been a, like I said before, it's been a really long time since we put out an episode together. I'm talking with the one, the only, my co-host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Shawnee on the mic. Sean, how you doing, buddy? You look great, by the way. Well, thank you, man. Thank you, man. Uh, like you said, it has been a while. Um, it's been some weeks, maybe some months since we did a show. And you know what? It's for good uh, reason, too. Like, me and Will wouldn't just abandon the show like that, obviously, a lot happened personally in my life and obviously the Islanders and the playoff push and you know what I'm saying trying to figure out stuff so you know what I'm saying so you no know, for everybody out there we didn't abandon the show at all it was just you know bad timing on certain days and a lot going on on other days so but well thank you pal you know I'm, I'm 29 pounds down trying to uh, lose some more pal and um yeah man glad to be talking to everyone out there finally man it's been a while yes it has been a long long while uh, I think the last time that we spoke was probably when the Islanders were playing up against the Lightning. And, you know, it, it took its toll, obviously. And uh, as far as the Islanders and what they went through, but forget the Islanders here for a second, Sean. You you went through a lot. And, you know, between I, – I don't want to talk about it. I'll let you handle it at that point because you, you went through a lot, man. And I – we all have been there before, whether it's been dealing with ex-girlfriends, you know, trying to get through breakups and getting new jobs and trying to put ourselves in position to succeed, Sean, you're doing, you're doing good right now at that point. So I thank you for that, man. Appreciate that, man. Yeah, man. Like, like, you know, like, when 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 you expect things i think you take it better because you good you know it 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 takes a little uh adjusting to and sometimes you have to prioritize certain things not to say i didn't prioritize show what ended up happening was things i had to prioritize the show became a victim of my priorities if 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 that if that makes sense right you know what i'm saying yeah. Oh, so, yeah. um, but you know, I'm, I'm in a better space, and yeah, like you know, what I'm saying, like I'm in a better space, and things are going well. And you know, just ready to talk some uh, sports, and hopefully next time I talk to you guys, I'm down a couple more pounds because you know, me and we'll definitely want to get back on a consistent, uh, you know, uh, schedule in terms of doing shows, and I'm finally available to do it now. So it definitely wasn't Will; it was definitely me. But I'm straight now, so ready to. Rock and roll, man. Well, this is a team effort at the end of the day. So, you know, whether or not you had your your battles, whether or not I had my little battles trying to deal with work and, you know, trying not to fall asleep uh, on certain days because of working long hours, you know, it, it definitely takes a toll. And, you know, I've been there. You've been there. We know how it is. And I'm sure the people that are listening in know how it is. So, Let's get right into it, man. You know, we've been so hard pressed on sports, man, over the course of a month and a half. And what I will tell you is that baseball right now, 
the scene for both New York teams has just been absolutely unbelievable since the last time both Sean and I have talked to you, right? The Mets, they were in first place and they basically, they, they were trying to find their way and they had a nice cushion on first place. Philadelphia was down. Atlanta was down. Uh, you know, regardless or not, the Mets, they were in first place. The Phillies, they were finding their way, uh, you know, trying to battle back. We all know how good the Phillies are at this point right now. But the Mets back a month and a half ago, they had literally control on this division. And now they are in third place after getting swept by the Phillies and the Braves. They won today. And then you look at the Yankees. You look, that's a nice shirt. You look at the Yankees right now and the total opposite. Both teams had identical records. The Yankees were in fourth place when we were doing our episodes, when the Islanders were in the playoffs and they, ever since they got Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo, they've been finding their way. And this lineup has become balanced. Could it be too little too late? You got a lot of guys that are going through this whole COVID stuff right now with the injury protocols, the IL, the COVID list. And they've been fighting through all this stuff, but they still had to climb over teams. They climbed over Toronto. They climbed over Seattle. They got to fight their way back into that second wild card spot. Oakland holds that spot right now. Houston's in first place in the AL West. And you got the Tampa Bay Rays, who I called at the beginning of the year, who are the class of that AL East, and albeit all of the AL. Uh, you know, they're in first for a reason, albeit with their strikeout totals and their uh, batting average not being the best. But they use everybody. And that's something that the Yankees need to find a way to get going. And after they got and they traded for Andrew Heaney and Anthony Rizzo and Joey Gallo, uh, this team right now has found its way and they're in third place and they're four games back of the, the Red Sox, who I think they lost today. And, you know, they still got to go up against the Rays, albeit, but they're right there in the thick of things for that second wild card spot. Sean, you're the resident Met fan here. Let's talk about the Mets right now. How do you feel about the Mets blowing? I, I hate to say it like that, but just blowing away this NL East lead. And now they're in third place. How do you feel? Well, I've, I feel this. I've, I don't have any feelings because I knew it was going to take place. When you, when you're, when two of your three, you know, well, inarguably your three best uh, players are hurt, you know what I'm saying? And then you haven't had Hector Carrasco for the majority of the year. He's come back. He's looked good in a couple starts. You know, like, well, like, this was to be expected. Obviously, Jacob DeGrom has missed some starts. Now he's missing, probably going to miss a, a month and change. Lindor, the same thing, probably going to miss a month and change. So, you know, like, you know, yes, guys get hurt and you got to, you know, uh, uh, fill in. But Alonzo isn't hitting. Conforto, what a bad time to have a bad year. He's in his contract year, and he was probably expecting to get big bucks. He's probably not going to get that. Um, and guys that we weren't expecting to play every day have ha have had to play every day. Jonathan 
Uh, the Youngs had to play every day. Dom Smith has had to play every day. And our depth has been taken a toll because guys have had to play every day that weren't supposed to. So, but what I think the biggest thing is when the Grum is out, we need people to step up. And Strowman, Strowman pitched well enough to win uh, yesterday. He really did. And, um, you know, and, and, and we didn't get the job done. Well, Taiwan Walker today, I know he gave up two and already runs. He was pretty good after that, but we, we only gave him two hits and we took the loss there. So, you know what? Well, I mean, I don't like the additions we made at the deadline. I mean, Rich Hill is steady, but he's like 49. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It, it's it's like the, it, it doesn't push the balance one way or the other way. And we got Trevor... Williams in the Javi bias deal, but Will, that was the wrong trade. Twice, Will, Sandy and Steve Cohen have made the wrong trade. And I think they made the trade because a pitcher was attached to the player and they know they need pitching depth. Well, I've been on this show. I've been on other people's platforms. I've said it before. I'd say it again. Francisco Lindor, if he was to be a Met, he should have been signed in the offseason where every other shortstop is going to be free. Nolan Arenado should be uh, on this team. That's that's the trade the Mets should have made. And then you bring in a Baez or Lindor through trade and then you sign them after that. But probably because they got Carrasco and they needed Carrasco, that's why they took Lin, uh, Lindor. Well, I'm not sure if you saw it. A couple of days uh, before the trading deadline, all the talk was Chris Bryant to the Mets. Chris Bryant to, to the Mets. That's all you heard. Javi Baez came out of nowhere. And the Cubs took the Giants offer. And, Will, I think Chris Bryant has like 10 <laughs> in RBIs since he's gotten traded to San Fran. So, I mean, it, it's, it's, it, it is what it is. It, like, I didn't get too excited when we were in first place because I knew the Braves and the Phillies were having an uncharacteristically bad year. And the Braves have run into injuries themselves. So, I mean, well, you know, I – I think the Mets could contend for the wild card. The issue is the wild card's probably going to come out of the National League West because four of those teams could make the playoffs right now. <laughs> so it's just like three. Um, sorry. So, I mean, you know, I'm pretty sure both wild card spots are going to come out of the West. So the Mets don't win the division. They're probably toast. And Luis Rojas will probably be looking for work uh, sometime soon. Yeah, when you look at the Mets right now, like I said, you know, and like you said, they're a team that just can't hit. They're really reliant on guys right now that, in all honesty, you're looking at Javi Baez, you're looking at, and the Mets, they've had so many opportunities to just get runners in, Sean, just to go out there and have opportunities to score runs, the objective of the game. They've had multiple opportunities. I think they, they're like a top five, top 10 team when it comes to leaving men on base, almost like the Yankees and almost like the Rays at that point. But regardless or not, you know, you got to score these runs with these guys on. Bases loaded with no out and you can't get anybody going. Same thing with the Yankees in that regard, in that respect. You know, could it be too little too late? I know Pete Alonso basically came out and said, hey, look, Met fans, listen, we're going through some 
some trials and tribulations right now as far as losing. But when you look at this Met roster and you look at this Met team, Francisco Lindor is on the I.L. Jacob DeGrom is on the I.L. Those are two all-star players right there, especially Jacob DeGrom. When you got to go out there and you know that he's a guy that can be an ace. And now all of a sudden you got to rely on guys like Tyron Walker. Noah Syndergaard's on his way back, it seems. Cookie Carrasco uh, might be on his way back at that point in time. And, you know, with them right there, you know, it's no surprise that the Mets are where they are right now at this point. Here's the issue. You got to go up against teams like the Braves still in that division. You know, the Marlins are no joke uh, as far as them with their record. They can go out there. Any baseball team can, can beat any other baseball team. We know this at that point. The problem here with the Mets is just them. They can't consistently score runs. And that's, that is just absolutely downright horrible. Now, they did come back today against a horrible Phillies bullpen. But regardless, and Zach, Wheeler, Zach Wheeler had himself a pretty good day as well. But the Mets right now, they need to just take a step back and they got to say to themselves, hey, look, we're better than this. And we know that we're better than this. And if we want to play in October at that point, we got to start figuring things out because if they don't, this is not going to be a pretty, uh, pretty scenario coming up here with the Mets. And what I will tell you, and I'll, I'll stop my little rant here. Okay. Their next opponents, the nationals who have one of the best batting averages in all of the league, they play three at city field. And they play up against the Dodgers, who are hungry for that NLS title again at that point. They play them over the weekend, and then they go to San Francisco, and then they play Los Angeles on the road, and then they play San Francisco at home from the 24th to the 26th, and then the 27th to the 29th, they play Washington again at City Field. So, you know, bottom line here is for the Mets, this is sink or swim. This is do or die. At that point. So with the schedule coming up right now, it is not looking pretty. Can't shit the bed at this point if you're the New York Metropolitans. Yeah, and 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 I think one of well, well, first of all, the people that make the schedule, that's a terrible job to have the Mets only playing in in one month, they're they're only playing what four teams, five teams, and the rest of the month they're only playing three teams, games against San Fran, the Dodgers, and uh, Washington, both of them twice. That's a terrible uh, scheduling flaw there. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, they're in a rut at the worst time, obviously. And, you know, I don't – well, I mean, I don't know what Luis, what Luis Rojas could do. I don't know if he could switch it up, move this guy, you know, maybe bat somebody lower, bat somebody uh, uh, higher, maybe bat the pitcher eighth and somebody else ninth. I mean, I, I, I really don't know. I, I really don't know what he could do, and I feel bad for him. But the issue hasn't been the pitching. We just haven't hit. And, Lin, and it's not to say that, oh, well, Lindor's hurt. Lindor wasn't hitting either before he got hurt. So, well, I don't know. But, again, I'm not surprised because I never got – I didn't get excited when we were in first place because I knew it kind of was a sham. 
you know, because the Braves had guys hurt, Philly had guys hurt. So it is what it is. We'll see what the rest of the month holds, but we'll see if to say if this continues, the Mets fans who are Jets and Giant fans around Labor Day will turn their attention to football and not with the Mets. Well, from one team right now that basically is kind of choking their season away to another team playing across the river who kind of reminds me of that 20, the Mets from two years ago, the New York Yankees, they're trying to find their way. They're trying to get things going. They got Anthony Rizzo. They got Joey Gallo. They got Andrew Heaney at the trading deadline and they are fighting and clawing their way back in that AL East in that second wild card spot. We talked about it before with the Yankees and what they're doing right now. They're beating up on lesser competition right now, okay? And when you look at it, ever since the All-Star break, they've beaten Boston. They've taken series in against Philadelphia. They've beaten Tampa Bay. They've beaten Miami. And they were on a five-game winning streak up until today. So they've been winning series. And this team reminds me of that 2019 Mets team because of the fact of how the schedule is playing out, who they're playing up against. And look, the balance is back. Okay. Every Yankee fan should be hyped, should be thrilled with them playing the way how they are right now. The only issue is, is just the timing of everything that's going on right now. And when the Mets went on that 19 and one or 19 and two, winning streak at that point where they were just winning games left and right. And they had close games against teams like San Francisco and other teams like Pittsburgh from 19. The Yankees are in that same spot and they're in that same scenario. And they, I don't know if this is, you know, because the lineup, because of the pitching, because of all the injuries, COVID, everything like that. Of course, different situation, and I don't want to compare the two teams, but it just reminds you of that. And now, with everything going on, they got to go to Kansas City to play three there over at Ewing Kaufman Stadium. Then they got to play Chicago, feel the dreams game. That should have happened last year, but it didn't. Uh, Anthony Rizzo is not going to be playing because of COVID-19. And maybe you might get back Eric Cole at some point in time. And they play the Angels on an off day because of a makeup. So they come back uh, to Yankee Stadium. Then they play Boston for a doubleheader. And then they play uh, Boston again on that Wednesday. The doubleheader's on a Tuesday. And they play Minnesota for four games coming up at the, uh, at the end almost at the end of their road trip, at the end of their homestand, then they play Atlanta, then they go on the road. They play Atlanta and Atlanta, and they go on the road against Oakland and L.A., the Angels. So this is absolutely must win. Every game is a must win. Every series is a must win for the Yankees in order for them to get into the playoffs. And, you know, the Rays are finding their way. They're Like I said before, they are the class – of that AL, but regardless or not, they still like the Rays, the Yankees. They can't, they can't hit. 
and their strikeout rate is up there. Not like the raises, but they're literally right there in it. And could it be too late? We'll find out as the season goes on. So uh, it's, it's nice to see Gallo and Rizzo being the left-handed bats in this lineup, but is it too little too late? You know what, Will? I look at this and mark my words. Today's what, Will? August 8th? 8th, yes. Today's August 8th. Well, and sorry for the pause there. I have myself on the mute. Sorry. Well, mark my words. August 8th. The Yankees are going to win the, the, the American League East. The Yankees are going to win the American League East. Well, it, 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 it's, it's crazy to think that Brian Cashman got the fact that the other 29 teams in baseball let the Yankees get Rizzo and Gallo, the both of them, the both of them knowing that right field is so short, knowing that the Yankees need left handed inning in the worst way, the worst way. Well, eventually Garrett Cole is going to come back. Eventually Jordan Montgomery is going to come back. There's not more offense in the lineup. So Jameson, uh, Tyon, well, obviously he's going to give up his fair share of runs, but now they could score more. Now they could score more um, for him. Will Kluber may come back at some point. If he does, that's a big boost right there. And, well, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes you get a joke. Tampa may move still. Boston made moves too. Toronto made moves too. Well, Jose Perios uh, was supposed to be with the Mets. And Tampa, I mean, oh, sorry, uh, Toronto came last minute and swooped and swooped in and got him. So, you know what? Well, I'm not worried about Tampa Bay. Well, honestly, I'm not even worried about uh, Austin. I think the Yankees won five straight and the Red Sox lost five straight. So I think the Yankees gained like, like what, like four or five games uh, um, the past like week to two weeks. So, you know what I'm saying? That's good. Well, I think they're going to pass Boston at some point. It's Tampa Bay that, that, you know, obviously is the concern. But, well, that's okay. Because all the Yankees have to do is get in. And if the Yankees get in with a healthy staff, if the Yankees get in with a healthy one through nine, well, I take, I take those two things against any team in the major leagues. That includes the Dodgers and the Padres, and the Brewers, and the Astros, and the A's, and whoever else. So, well, I think they're going to make a crazy run. I think they're going to win the East. At worst, they're going to make the walkout. I think the Yankees are, are definitely making the uh, playoffs. And, well, if they do, if they do, from where they started, if they were to clinch the division or at least one of the two walkout spots, Brian Cashman and or Aaron Boone probably saved their job with this surge that they're on. So I think they're going to take it all the way and win the AL East. I'm sure you disagree, but that's, I just have a gut of feeling about. Well, they only played Tampa Bay three times going into the end of the year. And that's literally the weekend of the final weekend. Of right. Correct. Of the season. Yeah. 21 season. So the Yankees need help in that, in that instance to get Tampa Bay to fall off there. Another thing is Boston has the same lineup from a couple of years ago, with the exception of 
Andrew Benintendi being in Kansas City right now. Here, here's the thing with Boston that kind of concerns me is the fact that if they get Chris Sale back and they find a way to go out there and, you know, he gets his timing back, he gets his groove back, that team can ultimately get that second wild card spot. And nobody gave them a shot at the beginning of the year. Nobody. They were like the Yankees being the third, fourth team uh, coming out. And, you know, when you look at the Giants going out there, you know, nobody gave them a shot either. They were like literally in the doghouse. And yet here they are. They're leading all of Major League Baseball in home runs hit at that point. So that's just absolutely insane. But to get back to the Yankees here, Sean, you know, when you look at them, if this team found ways to go out there and just not blow games with the bullpen and, you know, they use their total team like the Rays have, like the Red Sox have sort of somewhat this year, you can be looking at an AL East leading New York Yankee team. Problem is, again, they didn't have balance at the beginning of the year. They were striking out left and right. And they couldn't get runners home at that point in time. There was just the point of the ebbs and the flows, like it, with every team, like your Mets are going through right now, like the Yankees are going through uh, their, their peaks right now at that point. The bottom line is with the Yankees right now, can they go out there and just get a consistent stride and beat up on the weaker competition? If they do that, I think they can get that second wild card spot or even the first wild card spot for that matter. Nothing set in stone yet. However, with everything going on and with everything that's been said, is it too little too late? Are we going to find out what's going to happen with Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone at the end of the year? We'll see. Well, Will, I, I, I get what you mean. No, they can't directly get help from beating Tampa. But, Will, the Yankees didn't play Boston and they got five, five, uh, five games. And they made up five games. Now, Will, not to... Not to downplay the Yankee surge, but if we're being honest here, the schedule has been pretty light, you know, with Miami and Seattle. I mean, I, I, I know Seattle's in kind of sort of contention, but Seattle's not going in, uh, uh, anywhere. So um, I forgot who else was uh, in between uh, and Baltimore. Baltimore's one of the uh, worst teams. So the schedule gods have been on the Yankee side um, since the also break. I think they've only lost like twice, like once or twice since the break, so we're definitely on a surge there. So, I mean, well, I mean, you know, one thing that I do like, though, one thing that I do is that Rizzo, well, was supposed to actually go to Boston. That was the that was the whole rumored trade. They And the Cubs just like the Yankees and offer better. And then the Red Sox had to hustle, and then they got Kyle uh, Schwarber. But I think Schwarber's hurt. Um, all right now, I may be wrong, but I think I think when the trade happened, trouble was hurt. I do. I, I think I know that part. So, I mean, you know, and then obviously the Rays got uh, and Nelson Cruz, which is a good offensive move. But, you know, was that the right? But is that enough for a surging uh, Yankee team? And then Toronto, I think, is eventually going to fade. But, well, they're so young. They're so young. I mean, they're going to be around for a long time. I hope they have enough cash to pay like five of those guys, because all five of those guys are going to need major deals when the time comes. Probably won't be able to keep them all. But, um, but I mean, I mean, you know, well, you know what? And it's crazy. Two, three weeks, like a month ago, 
Yankee fans were panicking. Boone got to go. Catchman got to go. And this is just a perfect example of you got to give it patience. Cashman made the right move. See, I mean, obviously the farm system was had to be played played with, but you got Anthony Rizzo, who will, I think they're going to resign uh, in the off season. I think uh, Luke Voigt's days at first are done. And I think uh, Rizzo's going to be there um, for the foreseeable uh, future. So, well, I mean, congrats to them. Obviously, you know, um, you know, they, they, they've, they've been who they are supposed to be. And that's been one of the Mets issues too, well. In in seven games against Pittsburgh, they won five or four, and it's just like Pittsburgh's like the second, third worst team, like in the league, and you know, and 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 you're letting them not only win, win by like five runs, six runs is crazy. So what the Mets aren't doing, the Yankees are doing, and that's why they're in the position. Well, we'll find out as the season unfolds and as time keeps on going on. We'll see what the Yankees and the Mets do. Uh, from here on out moving on from one one sport that plays on a field to another that plays on a field the gridiron we go to the NFL and the Giants and the Jets season is ultimately coming up training camps have been going left and right we've been hearing a lot of things about Daniel Jones uh, Saquon Barkley and the wide receiving core that they have there on on the Giants and then with the Jets, there's really been no news outside of the whole Zach Wilson contract dispute. That's been pretty much about it. There's nothing going on as far as COVID or anything like that, knock on wood. But regardless or not, the Jets are literally trying to figure out what's going on. And Sean, what are your thoughts right now on New York football? So, well, I'll start with the JTS, Jets, 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 your JTS, Jets, Jets, Jets. And I think the green, well, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the green and white scrimmage was yesterday. I was there for it. Nice. And so uh, people said, you know, Zach Wilson, he he didn't look good. He had his uh, moments and um, he he didn't look good. But, well, you know what? I think what people have to understand is, listen, rookie – quarterbacks especially the recent ones like the josh allens and lamar and justin herbert last year and joe burrow up until he got hurt well these rookie quarterbacks have come in and they've escalated the expectation of rookies and well ev what the one thing i didn't hear people say that i said i don't well i didn't have a problem with the judge taking Zach Wilson at two. That's your guy. That's your guy. You're going to live and die with that pick. But I don't think Zach Wilson was, is or was NFL ready just yet. That's why I've been clamoring for the Jets and you have to will clamoring for the Jets to get a veteran first five, six games that Zach Wilson sit and then bring them in. I was saying Nick Foles. I was saying other guys that were available at the time. Nobody wanted to listen to us. Well, and well, Defensively, I think the Jets, even though their corners are inexperienced for the most part, think defensively the rest of that defense is pretty, pretty good. And you have a defensive-minded coach that I think is going to put them in the best position to succeed defensively. So I think defensively, you know, they're they're going to be good. And the Jets have surrounded Zach Wilson with the receiving core and the stable of backs that they have to for him to succeed. But 
I just don't want him to struggle well in the first, let's say, five, six games. And then people say, oh, he's a bust. I, I don't think he's going to be a bust. I just don't think he's going to be great as people make it seem. But you don't need a great quarterback to win. We, we've, we've seen average to good quarterbacks win. And Eli wasn't great. And he has two, uh, two rings. You feel what I'm saying? So you, 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 you just have to be good. Um, so, but we'll f- so, you know, for the Jets, you know, we shall see, obviously, breaking a new guy. Well, I, I don't know about you. I hate the fact the Panthers-Jets game is uh, uh, week one. It's must watch TV. Yeah, but you could have made that Thursday night, primetime, Sunday night, Monday night. You know, so, I mean, there's going to be no eyes on that game week week one because everybody's going to be focused on their team. First game of their team's year and so on and so forth. So we shall see what happens there. Well, well what I'm hearing is, and I, I'm sure you got a glimpse of it uh, yesterday, I heard that Carl Austin has, been, has looked really, really good. Um, you know, coming off the edge and, um, you know, the Jets played my Titans in week four and Taylor Lewan, I hope you know what is coming to him because Carl uh, uh, Lawson, he's, he isn't really known yet, but I felt that was an exceptional signing by the Jets because he fits what Robert Sala wants to do on the defensive line. So we we'll see what happens there. Well, the Giants, um, you've heard they've, they've, they've been fights at camp. And, you know, um, Joe Judge had these guys doing sprints and gassers and all type of stuff. That's like college, high school stuff. I don't think you should make pros, like, do that. But, hey, that's what the coach wants. That's what the coach wants. Well, well, I don't care what nobody says. I'm not even going to spend much time on the Giants because it's really as simple as this. What is Daniel Jones in year number three? That's it. Offensive line, Nate Soder's back, even though he isn't great. Maybe move Andrew Thomas to the right side for this year. Let him get up speed. The offensive line is improved, but it isn't improved drastically. Saquon is back. He may not start the season. I don't think you need him to. But he's going to come back at some point. Well, the Giants, you could say their wide receiver room is one of the best in the league. With Gavaday and Shepard and uh, Slayton and uh, John uh, John Ross, who I think don't have a second life now. Evan and Ingram. You know, yes, he has a case of the drops, but when he doesn't drop the ball, he's pretty good. And defensively, they loaded up with secondary guys and front seven guys and stuff like that. So, well, I think they're in a position to succeed. But what is Daniel Jones? Well, if Daniel Jones is Philip uh, Rivers, then you're good. I don't even know a, a guy that I could compare him to in terms of the bad sense. But if he becomes that guy, it's not going to be uh, pretty. It's not going to be pretty, um, especially when the Giants could have took a quarterback in this year's draft if they had wanted to. They they weren't, but if they had wanted to. So, I mean, it's going to be a very interesting five weeks. We'll see how they look in the preseason games coming up next week. Hopefully nobody gets hurt. Well, and we'll go from there. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not expecting much from either from the Jets because of the whole uh, rookie thing. Well, if the Giants play their cards right and, you know, and 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 um, I, I lost my train of thought, Will. But, yeah, if the Giants keep – if the Giants play their cards right and Daniel Jones improves a little bit, I think, I think the Giants could win the NFC East Bell. Well, we'll see what happens as time rolls on with the with the Giants. I'll, 
I'll start off what I got to think of about the Jets. I mean, everybody knows me as a Jet fan. I'm a Jet season ticket holder, and I've been at – I was at the green and white practice yesterday at MetLife Stadium, and I can tell you this. You know, Zach Wilson's going to be – he's going to be a good quarterback in the league, I feel. But last night, you're going to have your ups and downs, and going up against some big boys uh, yesterday – uh, albeit it was a friendly practice. I get it. I understand it. It's practice. You can't really take much into it. But when you go 11 to 24 and then you're just going to see the fan base wanting and clamoring, uh, excuse me, wanting big things out of you, you know, we'll see what happens. We know that rookie quarterbacks, they can be streaky at times. And we've seen some rookie quarterbacks come into the Jets over the course of time and have themselves some pretty big years, Mark Sanchez with the uh, AFC championship game in, the, in his first year, Geno Smith leading a, a, a team that really should have been four and 12 in his rookie year in 2013 sends them eight to eight and eight. And then we look at Sam Darnold uh, and what he did with what he had. So for Zach and for the jets right now, they could shock the world in, in some respect. And, it's a team game. It's a team effort. I understand it completely. And there are a lot of people out there that are really putting big projections on Zach Wilson's rookie year and him throwing over 3000 yards, him throwing over 20 touchdowns and it's a passing offense is friendly, but again, it's a rookie quarterback. It's a jet rookie quarterback nonetheless. So, uh, you know, it's a lot for Zach Wilson to go out there and compete. And, and do what he's got to do with all the hype and the hoopla surrounding the number two overall pick and playing in the New York market. But what I will tell you too, is the fact that the jets right now, this is probably the most depth that I've seen in a long, long time. And when you look at this front seven, when you look at guys like Carl Lawson, Quinn and Williams, John Franklin Myers, uh, Foley Fatusaki, uh, Fatu Kasi, if I'm pronouncing his name right, uh, the Far Rockaway product. And then when you look at Sheldon Rankings, uh, you know, this team right now, legitimately, they have the depth there. CJ Mosley comes back and he's he plays what he, he played up to uh, in the first couple of games in 2019. He's going to be fire in the secondary. I think that'll all play out because remember, you have to get pressure on the quarterback. And that's what the Jets are trying to do right now. They're trying to figure out ways to get to the quarterback with depth. And that's what Robert Sala is trying to bring from the San Francisco 49ers is the fact that we're not going to rely on one guy. We're not going to rely on two guys. This is going to be a total team effort. And what they're trying to do here, uh, we'll see what happens. And we've seen, you know, front, front fours win you championships, right? You look at the Giants from 2007 and 11 winning – both those Super Bowls, not because of Eli Manning, but because of their front four and getting pressure to Brady. And that's what you want to see at that point. You want to see the Jets finally get to the quarterback. It's been a long time. We all know about the history with the sack exchange. We all know about Jonathan Abraham and Sean Ellis. And we also know about what the 2009-2010 Jets brought to the table with their defense. Let's not forget about the Sons of Anarchy with Muhammad Wilkerson, Sheldon Richardson, and Damian, Damon Harrison. So this is probably going to be another chapter uh, to that. And Leonard Williams, of course, but 
this is going to be another chapter here, seeing what the Jets will bring to the table. And, you know, it, it's definitely going to be fun and interesting. And you look at the offensive side of the ball, Denzel Mims being where he is, uh, you know, it is what it is. I think he'll find himself in these games. You got to give this kid some playing time. Uh, Elijah Moore has been playing absolutely unbelievable uh, in these training camps from what we've heard and from what we've seen. And Corey Mim, uh, Corey Mims, Corey Davis, your, your boy, Sean, has basically uh, developed some sort of a connection with Zach Wilson and Jameson Crowder. And he's, everybody's rumoring him to be on the trading block. I know I've been one of those guys that's saying, Hey, he's gone, but you need that. You need depth to go out there and win these football games because you never know when an injury is going to happen and who you're going to rely on. Jeff and Vincent Smith have looked good. Uh, And the running back, this is going to be a running back by committee here. I wouldn't be surprised if Michael Carter starts the year off as the starter and the way how he ran the ball yesterday and the way how he's been running it at the, uh, at the camps, he might be the starter. He might be the starter case closed. And then you figure out what you're going to do with Tevon Coleman and and, uh, you know, Ty Johnson, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be something to see. So and uh, LaMichael Perrine at that point, Perrine. So we'll see what happens with the Jets. And of course, the Achilles heel, their tight end situation. What's Chris Herndon going to do? Trayvon Wesco. They drafted this kid, uh, Croft, I believe. Uh, and then you got Ryan Griffin, too, that's on on that extension. So the Jets right now. They are legitimately three or four deep at every position with the exception of the quarterback. So it's definitely going to be fun. The Giants, I'm just going to leave it short and sweet because I don't really pay attention to the Giants. I think they're an afterthought uh, at that point in time, albeit they own they own the media and they own everything that's going on here in New York. I still think they're an afterthought. I don't think Daniel Jones is that guy. He's going to be like Sam Darnold and the Giants – they gave him opportunities and albeit with everything going on with the giants, can Daniel Jones lead this franchise to the playoffs? That's all it is. Wild card NFC East. I know that it's wide open with the Eagles, with Jalen hurts trying to figure out their way. Can Dak Prescott stay healthy and that defense of Dallas is uh, find their way back after being dead almost in the bottom tier of the league. But before that, they were a top 10 unit. And then you look at the Washington football team, still no name yet over there, but they still have a great front four. And their quarterback situation, we know about Ryan Fitzpatrick, but they still got to figure out a way. You're right, Sean. They do have a chance at that NFC East. I just don't think that Daniel Jones is the answer. But we'll see. As time goes on uh, with this team, with the Giants and their defense, they have to figure out a way to try and get to the quarterback. So we'll see what happens with the Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you know, the Giants definitely racked up the secondary guys with Dory Jackson and they drafted a couple guys and, you know, what I'm saying, and they resigned Logan uh, Ryan. So they definitely had an idea of what they wanted to do. I mean, you know, for as much positivity as last season had, well, it was still a six and ten year. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, was, it was, it was still a bad year. So, um, you know, year two of Joe, year two of Joe Judge, seeing how he does, how he, uh, upper, 
breaks things and then we just um uh, go from there in terms of them so um and you know the giants have a very tough schedule they play the i think the nfc north one of them but they play the afc west which means chargers and chiefs and raiders and obviously the broncos who they play week one so very challenging um, for the giants but we'll see what happens oh yeah Absolutely. We'll definitely see what happens in the NFL. Sean, give us a talk about your Titans right now, because they've been trying to figure out their way. Uh, they got Julio Jones in the offseason. Big addition right there to add him with Ryan Tannehill and with Derrick Henry. But talk about the Titans so far and what they've been going through uh, their training camp. Yeah, so, you know, it's it's all about developing – the relationship between Tannehill and Julio. Obviously, Tannehill isn't Matt Ryan. He never will be, but he doesn't have to be. And I think, you know, the main thing is just we make sure Julio is, nursed, is you know, as healthy as possible. Because with an extra game, 17 games, you want him to be available for all 17. You don't want him to only be played 11 or 10 or you know, 9 or that. That that doesn't help you. So. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, Derek Henry has looked good. I mean, what else is new? But also a new OC, a new defensive coordinator as well. So just having them trying to lock in their schemes, lock in their game plans, um, so on and so forth. So, it, so if I had to describe it, describe the training camp, bro, I would say learning. Because, <laughs> you know, Tannehill learning, Jones, Jones learning him, uh, Tannehill, and then not really a new playbook, but new new schemes kind of uh, sort of, and then, and then defensively pa uh, past couple of seasons, we haven't been good. We got a new guy uh, coming in so hopefully he implements a good system for us. So I'm excited. Our schedule in the beginning is brutal. We have home for Cardinals at Seahawks, home for Bill, home for um, home for the Colts and then at the Jets. So those first four games are as tough as it gets. So but. We'll see what happens in five weeks. Yeah, the Giants, uh, just to get back to the Giants, they go up against the, the NFC South, and they go up against the AFC West. Weird schedule right there. But to your point, Sean, with the Titans, you know that teams are going to go up against them, and they're going to try and stuff seven, eight in the box, trying to stop uh, Derrick Henry. But for them to get Julio Jones in place, I got to say bravo to that. You know, hopefully, you know, you guys get a Super Bowl here. You guys are the – you guys – I'm thinking that you play for the team, but the Titans are literally right there in the thick of it in that AFC South. So we'll definitely see what happens uh, with your Titans, Sean. Can't wait for that week four matchup that we're going to go to. So, you know, we'll figure everything out uh, after that. But regardless or not, it's going to be fun. Uh Let's wrap up the show here, Sean. Any final thoughts on this episode? Yeah, well, I do um, a couple real fast. Um, the first one is, you know, so obviously, you know, in the beginning, you know, you said, you know, I went through some stuff and stuff like that. Well, so one thing I, I want people to understand, if there's anything I want people to take away from this episode, from this message, and I'll try not to be long is always put yourself first 
no matter what you're doing, no matter who's involved, always put yourself first. Because at the end of the day, if a situation ends with someone else or a job closes or a business plan closes or whatever the case is, you can live with the fact that, you know what? At least I'm not behind on what's going on with me. I'm up to date with Sean. I'm up to date with Will. I'm up to date with whoever. You know, daily make sure before you do anything for anybody else, how am I doing? Talk to yourself. Will, will we grow up where if you said talking to yourself, you look like you were uh, crazy? And I feel like people don't have conversations with them with themselves. Be like, yo, how you feel? How, what's bothering you? What's on your mind? What's this? What's that? So, you know, always put yourself first. Never, you know, like it's okay to care for someone as much as you care for yourself. I mean, that's love. But always put yourself first. Like, don't ever put somebody before you will. Number two is, well, we really have to, not us, but the world really needs to understand how serious mental health is. Mental health doesn't mean you're crazy. Mental health doesn't mean that you're a psychopath or whatever the case is. You know, well, and a perfect example is everybody killed um, Simone um, Biles. Oh, she doesn't want to um, um, uh, do the work. She doesn't want to compete. She doesn't want to compete. So Bone Biles said, sorry, Simone Biles said, when she was practicing before her routine, she slipped and fell. And all she could think about is, if I can't do this routine and practice, it's not going to happen live. And I'm going to slip and fall. And I'm going to do something. I'm going to break something. And I'm going to be embarrassed on national television. She was vulnerable. She was transparent. She was honest with not only everyone, she's honest with herself. People trashed her, bro. People say, oh, you do da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
I've said it before with a lot of people and even, even us at this point, you're not going through anything alone because nobody's going to say anything. And, you know, like the old saying goes, how are you doing good? Oh, you know, I'm all right, but nobody's going to listen to me anyway. Well, no matter what, you know, there are people out there that kind of sort of somewhat care for you uh, in that sense. And, you know, no matter what, you're going to go through things alone. And that's, that's the way how it is. But ultimately, you know, there are people out there that are having those same situations and you just never know what people are going through. So, you know, with that said, um, I, I, what I will tell you is just if you need help at all, just say, say something, you know, you just never know who and or what, what you're going through. You think, you know, right now, our parents or our family members or our friends, they have any idea on what they're doing? No, because they probably want to, they probably want to quit or whatever it is, but they keep on going with the grind because they got that never give up attitude. So, you know, with that said, um, you got to go out there and you got to make things happen uh, for yourself and you just never know what people are going through. So just be kind to people and uh, just always just, they're always going to be in the fight no matter what. So just, just basically keep up with what you're doing right now. And then secondly, uh, you know, NBA, right? We've seen a lot of, and we haven't talked about this. We'll save this for another episode, but you know, I'm seeing on social media that the, the Lakers have gotten better uh, in this regard and in the sense of, well, they got Russell Westbrook, they got, uh, they, they traded away Kyle Kuzma, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, uh, Montrez Harrell, first-round draft pick, whatever it is that really those players aren't going to be anything. And they got – they signed Carmelo Anthony, and they got Ken Bazemore and Trevor Reza, guys that you could surround LeBron with. These guys are older. All right, and for anybody out there that's basically saying, well, you know, they're still the same – they're still the same team. They're, they're going to be better. They had better three-point shooters now than they, than they did last year. Let's pump our brakes here. They're another year older. You know, if they were to go up against the Phoenix Suns again in the playoffs, maybe it would be a different scenario. Maybe it would be. But they're just another year older, I feel. And when you have four guys, five guys, six guys that ultimately command the ball the way how they do, it's not going to end out well. I don't care if LeBron's playing – I don't care if, you know, he's defied father time. Father time always wins at the end of the day. And Anthony Davis has been injury prone over the course of his career. So with that said, let's pump our brakes here on the Lakers until the season actually starts. So that's all I got to say on that. And another thing, Adam Pellick is back with the Islanders. Very happy about that. Eight years. Jesus Christ. Nearly $6 million per year. You're seeing uh, other guys going that are basically are not, I don't want to say better, but how much they're getting paid. Lou Lamarillo does it again almost in, in that sense of trying to figure out the salary cap. So I'm very, very happy that Adam Pellick is back as a New York Islander for eight more years. Let's see what happens. I know Bathtub Jake is happy. The Pellick posse is ready to go for next year. Just can't wait for the season to start up, man. Yeah, well, and, and you know, uh, real, real quick, obviously, Jordan and Eberle was selected by the Kraken. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, yeah, but uh, but 
but you know what I mean? That was uh, expected. You know, um, people thought that, you know, he was one of the, he was one of the better players um, available. So I think we all knew that he was going to, going to be picked and he was. So, you know, that obviously good luck to them out there. Well, real, 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 real quick, because I know we're about to end the show. I am, I mean, I understand why it's happening, but I'm not a fan of two things when it comes to the Islanders. Real, uh, real, real fast. Number one, why in God's name this building has been being, this building has, you know, been, been, been in the process of being built for what, like two years now, maybe a little more, a little less. And why in God's name are we on the road for five weeks to begin the season for a building that should be complete? I mean, that is just, that is not humane. That is not humane. And I understand they have like two or three off days in between some of those games so they could come home, relax, practice, be with family. But still, that's number one. And number two, why is the first game at UBS Arena well, I think it's Calgary, if I'm not mis- uh, um, mistaken. How is it not the Rangers or the Devils? I would have even took the Devils. I would have took the Devils. Calgary, NHL. I mean, it's obvious, well, like we said it be- before, the league doesn't care about the Islanders. I mean, it's obvious the way that we get screwed with games and with scheduling and other things. But to throw those two jabs in our face... Well, the Vegas Golden Knights, their first game was in their home arena. Why Why are we on the road for five weeks? It doesn't make sense, bro. A couple of things, and I'm just going to leave it off with this. Number one, the five-week thing, the arena is not ready yet. I've been hearing rumors going about that they might play at Nassau. Again, all rumors, all hearsay at that point. Maybe they, the Islanders have, a, you know, they signed and extended the lease at the Coliseum, maybe you might see some games being played there. Who knows? It's all rumor. It's all hearsay. And people are going to, well, you know, all the construction workers there. I know a couple of people that work there. And they're telling me that the place ain't going to be ready till, you know, December, something like that. So we'll see what happens. But number two, to get back to the actual factual stuff with Calgary, the last time that the Flames and the Islanders played up against each other, Sean, you want to know when that was? You want to know when that was? It sounds like a long time, though. It was back in 2019 and back in the 2018-19 season, to be exact. So prior to the pandemic, the Islanders were on their Western Canada trip and they were going to play Calgary during that trip. And they were going to play Calgary at Barclays Center, if I, if I wasn't mistaken. And then the season would put on hold. And then this year with the whole, the whole uh, divisions realignment, there was no other way for Calgary to play the Islanders. So for them, it's only fair, I guess, at that point. I understand where you're coming from. The fan base has been wanting it. They, you know, the goal against the Rangers, the Maple Leafs, the Penguins, whoever, the Devils. It just made a little bit too much sense. I, there was a tweet out there, I think by Rob Taub, that that uh, you know that both those franchises haven't played. I think they were the only two franchises that haven't played each other uh, at that point in time, and they both came into the league. Random stat: 
They both came into the league in 1972, the Islanders still being in New York and the Flames being in Atlanta uh, at that point in time. So, you know, I think that was the last time that they did play each other was back in 2019 during that 2018-19 season. So it's been an awfully, awfully long time uh, for that. So, you know, I understand your frustration, Sean. I understand the Islanders fan frustration, but you got to be a realist here. And that's something that you ultimately have to look at when it comes to the scheduling factor and why Calgary was picked as the uh, the home the the home opener at that point. So makes it makes sense in the world for me. Well, respectfully, Calgary could have been the second home game, the third home game, the fifth home game. To make it the first home game, it doesn't make sense. It's not that hard. Rangers, Penguins, Bruins, Lightning, Devils, Hurricanes, so many, so many, you know, more deserving teams, in my opinion, to open up a new arena, which the NHL, which the NHL should want. Well, the NHL should want to open up a new arena in primetime. I highly doubt Islanders Flames is going to be a primetime. And, and that's a shame. And that's a shame. Vegas had their first game primetime. You know Seattle's going to have their first game a primetime. Now, I understand those were expansion teams, so I understand that. But a new arena, brand spanking new, beautiful. You've been to it. I've been to it outside. It looks nice. But, well, to me, it's just another slight that the the NHL takes at us. Why? I don't know. Another thing, too, that I want to add, I don't know if I added on to it already, the fact that the the COVID-19 break really stopped halt on all non-essential construction uh, that was going on in the state of New York. And this arena would be done right now at that point in time, uh, if not in the final touches at that point. But because of the fact that non-essential construction basically was shut down during the pandemic for about close to three months, uh, that really didn't help things out there. And you may be uh, looking at it, I've seen tweets from other people telling me, oh, well, you know, they don't care about this arena. The workers don't. And it's like this guy either doesn't work in construction or doesn't really know what the fuck is going on uh, at that point in time when it comes to uh, working in construction. So there are things that ultimately happen. So uh, I think the workers there pride themselves in making things happen and trying to give the uh, give the best product to the fans so we'll definitely see uh what happens there come uh november and in the upcoming days with this uh nhl offseason so it's been a lot to talk about and sean uh on that note it's been great talking sports with you again and talking everything from baseball football talked a little bit basketball talked a little bit of hockey just now uh it's been absolutely amazing this past hour uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. I know we should be doing that more at the beginning of the episode. Follow On The Board Sports on social media. That's O-N-T-H-E-B-O-A-R-D-S-P-O-R-T-S. That's On The Board Sports. On The Board Sport on Twitter without the S. Gave it to you on Instagram uh, with the S involved. I know uh, you can follow Shawnee on the mic. I think he went on a on a social media break, Right. I did, I did, you know, um, you know, I'll be quick. Um, you know, it's one it's one of those things where, you know, when you're trying to focus on goals with social media it could be a distraction. And one of the first days I went to the gym, well, I was in between uh sets 
and I was on Instagram for like three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, completely forgot what set I was on, completely forgot what rep I had to do. And it messed up the workup that I had. And I said, you know what? This has to go. So yeah. I don't know when I'll be back on. I will be posting on the On The Road Sports page. So I definitely will be doing that there. But my personal page probably won't see me for uh, not a little while, probably a big while. When the timing is right, I'll be back. Well, you're still on there. I know that. So you can follow, <laughs> you can follow Shawnee on the mic. My page, yes. My page, yeah, correct. You can follow Shawnee on the mic, even though he's not going to be posting as much or ever at that point in time. You can follow him at Shawnee on the mic. That's S-H-A-W-N-Y-O-N-T-H-E-M-I-C. Shawnee on the mic. And you can follow myself at Will Cherucci. That's W-I-L-L-C-H-I-A-R-U-C-C-I on both Instagram and Twitter. And on that note, yeah, great show, Sean. Great talking to you again. And always, let's do it again, man. You know, I know you're back. Let's make this a consistent thing. All right, bro? Amen, bro. Appreciate you, bro. Absolutely. For everybody here from the On The Void Sports team, from Shawnee on the mic, I'm your host, Will Trucci, a.k.a. We'll see locking out. We'll talk to you guys soon. Stay safe out there. Don't do anything stupid. All right? And, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Stay safe. God bless you all. Peace out.